This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. They're all here the divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me, I'm David Goldberg. These are the luminaries. I'm joined by Spike Einbinder, an NYC comedian and performance artist. Einbinder is beloved for demonic stage manifestations, visceral body humor, and original characters like Candy Dish, a half-eel Jewish bog belt comedian. Einbinder hits HBO at least twice this year, with an appearance on High Maintenance and a ghoulish arrival on the new series Los Espookies, which premieres June 14th. First thing I want to say is that we are now breaking a record. You are famously my most interviewed person because I've interviewed you three times, each for a different publication. And now we're at number four wow. for a podcast. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a live interview straight to the tape. Exactly. No more print. We're like evolving. Well, usually when we do an interview, I'm like on, fully on my route or you're walking with me and I'm, we're on the phone. <laughs> right. Uh, Spike famously is a dog walker, so there's a lot of you in the middle of expounding on a really deep philosophical notion about Jewishness and gender. Then you having to stop, open pick up door. George Michael. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or open a door and be like, she peed, and then like give the dog back to the person who's fully home. Yeah. Is that, I always wonder, is that just like men who are out of work while their wives are at work? No, it's like people, a lot of people work from home, which is something that I'm sure if I was in a different point in my life, I would, I too would work from home. But when I'm at home, I'm home. I'm not working. But, okay. <laughs> and then they want me to deal with the dog because to me, it's like if I'm working at at home, there's a 30 minute part of my day that I'm guaranteed to go outside, like yes, with my course. dog, which is like a nice, but some people, they want it taken care of so they can continue to work from home. I don't, I don't get it. But it's so weird. It is really weird. And why have a dog? Just the whole thing. Okay. I mean, those. It's it's weird, but it's like, all right. I mean, I'm here for that reason. I'm here so you can like keep being on the computer. Yeah, if they can pay you, they um, do, which rocks. But um, yeah, I've the thing. One of the things that I'm most proud of about that, because like I know being a performer, I'm not supposed to love my day job, but I absolutely <laughs> love it, and it fulfills me so much. And one of the things I'm proud of is I have like a short list of clients within my entire group who have specifically said the phrase to me, you are the only person that I trust with my dog, which is like very intense, but also very rewarding to me. Yeah. Because I only have like one person for my own dog, which is my partner. Right. And that's because he's like, you know, we're together so much that he can directly see the routine is the only reason that that's at that right. level. And Spider is really... St- kind of a special well it seems like all of your pets have really needed a special amount of care (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just keep getting these older dogs who have been treated badly and then just like rehabbing them and doing that yeah you really are this kind of champion for these wounded animals hairless yeah caveat hairless (laughs) where has that always been the case no well i'm uh another thing is i'm allergic to dogs Right. Um, so allergic to dogs, love dogs. <laughs> like spends all day. With them. Yeah. And um, varying levels of hair 
and shedding. So I'm allergic to all of them, but some more than others. And when I was growing up, we had hypoallergenic dogs only after I begged for like the first nine years of my life mm-hmm. for one. And it was like, when you get this dog, you are responsible for like these, you know, like cleaning up, feeding, stuff like that. And then when I went away to college in New York, which was only like to satisfy my parents, I just wanted to come here to do comedy, but they were against me doing comedy. So they were like, you actually have to go earn a degree so that if this dream of yours backfires, you can go teach English in a school or something. Any minute now. Yeah. Oh my God. That will never happen. I yeah. Think. <laughs> like respect to people who work with children, but I'm going to, I'm going to no. stick to the four legged <laughs> variety. Um, but yeah, I was basically like begged for a dog forever. And then once I left home for college, both my dogs that I'd grown up with passed away when I wasn't there. And that was something that was like at the time, very hard to deal with. But it was compounded by the fact that for the first, actually for both of them, my parents didn't, they like waited to tell me for no, one of them no, 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 no. because they thought that I couldn't handle the information. So they wanted to like video chat with me to kind of like make sure I wouldn't immediately like jump out of a window, I think. There was like a lot of like micromanaging of who I was as a person, which is why I left home. I think that's called parenting, but I, to me, it was micromanaging. I, I was the think I, I'm sometimes like, if you guys could have just been straight about a few things from the beginning, yeah. we could have just dealt with it then yeah. and not 10 years later, I yeah. wouldn't still be like, fest, you know, having festering boils of resentment. Anyways. Yeah, we both we both kind of have that. But when they both passed away, I kind of felt like there's OK, so I don't have I don't have a dog anymore. And it was a, a couple years of that before I was realizing like this is a huge hole in my life and there was like a, a aspect of the relationship that I was previously in was um, and by aspect I mean like a, it was abusive in mm. a lot of ways and um, there was there were points when it was like I would watch a commercial for like car insurance and there would be like a dog in the house in the back of the background of the commercial and I would just be crying like seeing <laughs> seeing a dog like on ca- on screen for one half of one second i would just be like in tears and my um partner at the time was like yeah we can get a dog like whatever you want and he didn't think that i was serious and then applied for the only hairless dog that showed up within like a 50 mile radius from petfinder.com gonna plug them and who was that that was fabio oh my god and i drove to with Julio Torres, Daniel Lempert, and my ex to Daniel Lempert drove us all to New Jersey to get Fabio. And it was like I met him and took him home that day. He was like completely thousand yard stare, like Vietnam vet style, just right. like did not acknowledge anything, like barely even acknowledged food. And I was like, okay, you're my, do- like, this is for, okay, forever now is my dog. And you're my soulmate. And you're my soulmate. And we, and you don't even register who I am or care about <laughs> even me. Even though we've lived, Many past lives yeah. together. Yeah. Oh my God. But then, like, yeah, taking him home was like the best experience of my life. And the we were together for 1,151 days. <sighs> and he passed away because his kidneys failed, um, which was something that he was presented as having kidney disease since before I got him. It was like part of his evaluation. They were like, he's got heartworm, dermatitis, burns, all these things, and chronic kidney disease, which is incurable but manageable. Shortly before the death of Fabio, you brought Spider into your lives. Yeah, that was crazy, the timing of that. Um, 
Spider's name is actually Spider-Man. Spider-Man, excuse me. It's he okay. is Spider-Man. His, that is his real name. And he, that's I, who he is. And I didn't name ways. him that, and I didn't name Fabio that. <laughs> I'm a very staunch believer in their uh, keeping their given names, even though I'm I'm a, a non-binary trans person and I use they, them pronouns. I really like to keep the shelter names as God intended. You know that our great Dane Conan, who we had to give away... <laughs> um, his new owner named him Duncan, That's and we so, were just like, like "Why Look, did you do that?" Yeah, someone's gonna take the blame here. Yeah, also the name sucks. But um, Spider Man, um, it was he was supposed to be a friend for Fabio. I noticed sometime in August, I was like, "Hmm, Fabio seems a little more like chilly at this time of year than he would usually yeah. be." And I kind of was like, "I'm gonna get a friend for him so that when I go to work, he's not alone." And he wasn't, like, a super interested in dog's dog, but I think that if there was, like, another little hairless dude, like, in the house, and they could just, like, be, you know, like, butt-to-butt chilling under a blanket or something. That was, like, my dream for them. And I found this dog online, applied for him. He was um, from an animal hoarding situation, and so he had, like, 35 other dogs in the house or something. The Mm. lady got... She gave away some, but then animal control, like, took the rest because they found out how many dogs there were. Mm. And he would, he had been neglected, so he had um, dry eye that was never managed. And so he basically can't make tears. So that's his, to me, that's his only problem. And compared to Fabio, where it was like the kidney disease and all these other aspects, like creating a dog who, first of all, question mark years old, Fabio. Like, right. no thousands. idea. Thousands or zero? Spiritually like, no, thousands. Yeah. What once new and old and eternal. <laughs> well, I want to talk about Spider because, yeah. you know, when Spider first arrived, uh, he was obviously very shy and pretty freaked out. And yeah. you were really getting to know each other. Over just a few months, he has kind of emerged as this triumphant crazy. contemporary fashion icon <laughs> where he's every sweater you put him in, he looks like he's coming out of Milan Fashion Week. And um, because of his dry eye for the winter winds, you bought him these kind of Yamaha motocross goggles. Yeah, it's like if he was like working in a wood shop but then like jumped on his ATV. He looks like a Japanese supermodel. Yeah, I love him. What's so crazy about that too is like, well, let me just finish the story. Basically, thought Fabio was cold, looked for him for a friend, applied, got approved, and this this rescue that I applied to was one that I wanted to apply to before, but their cutoff age was 25, so I had to wait. Well, like I got Fabio when I was like 22 or 23, so by the time Gibberish. I was gonna get Spider, I was like, okay, now that I'm over 25, like yeah. I can apply here. And they approved me, got got him, and he came with a bunch of outfits. Like Spider, came, his foster mom sent me with like these really cool clothes for him so I didn't have to get anything and I I had gotten Fabio other outfits which are now Spider's hand-me-downs Yeah. so everything that Spider has yeah vintage (laughs) from his older brother Uh, everything that Spider has was just either passed around between the rescue of like different foster dogs and then given to him or from Fabio so all these looks are just like just like a random closet that he is perfectly like fits into all of them and it looks so good, and it's very lucky. But the goggles were my only, like, real, like, Spider-Man purchase. But Spider's really... I just find him... Re- I think about... I've told you this, but I think about him a lot, especially when I've been in, like, my most depressed or my lowest yeah. this year. where Because he's so... Um, 
like sexy and he has so much <laughs> attitude and spirit and joie de vivre after everything. And yeah, it's crazy. I've really started thinking to myself, like, you know what? If Spider, after everything he's been through, can come out and fucking strut for the camera with yeah. Spike and like look amazing, be happy, be excited. Yeah. You fucking can too. Like get out of the house and face it. If it's, he can, you can. It's really, and you know what another thing is? They told me when I adopted him, they were like, he has 30% reduced vision. Mm. And I was like, okay, 30% reduced vision. Like whatever. Bring what, it on. Yeah. Took him to the vet two months ago. And the guy's like, I was like, yeah, so apparently he has 30% reduced vision. And the guy was like, no, he has more like 30% vision. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Like, cool. We're going to roll with this. Like, have been working with it since, you know, it had been like a few months at that point. But I was like, all right, dude, like you can, you, you can't see, you can, you yeah. can't, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, the, he inspires me a lot too because he's like very trusting of me. And we're working on like, this whole new kind of dog because like I worked with deaf dogs before mm. aggressive dogs stuff like this but not really vision impaired dogs unless they were totally blind and had been that way for a while and were like modified in that right. way like I walked this really really old blind pug and he was just like he knew his block he went around the block and that was his walk but like spider like I'm trying to get him used to like a, a new city with these bad eyes. I know. And, yeah. Can I just say, I really hope that this episode serves as your backdoor pilot to your <laughs> oh dog podcast because the world needs well, it. Well, yeah, okay. That's... And <laughs> if you are as obsessed as I am, I highly recommend you follow the Instagram account Fabio and Spider. Yeah, that's Fabio underscore and <laughs> the, wor the word and underscore and then Spider. It's really worth it. Um, okay, so let's just do a little transition. I want to bring up something... From long ago that I that you said to me that I think about all the time and then we can kind of use that to move on to other things. Right. But the very first time we spoke, which was an interview two years ago for New Now Next, I asked you, I was like, Who as a comedian, who inspires you? And you said you were like, I can't think of someone who inspires me who isn't one of my friends. Yeah, it's true. And that fucking I have been reckoning with that, and I feel like it took me literal years to get it because I always would put people on a pedestal above me. And then when I started hanging out in this community of comedians that we're in, I would still do it where I was like, well, they're not my friend, even though they're being nice to me and want to hang out with me. They're above me. I have to look up to them. And only recently did I understand the idea of like not only respect yourself and like look who's interested in you and fucking step up, bitch, but also – if you want to be creating, you shouldn't – you should be surrounded by people who inspire you. Yeah. You shouldn't just be, like, waiting for the older generation to die out. Or and notice you. Or, yeah, or like, exactly. I mean, that can get you places, but, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not – I'm, like, trying to make new things with the people around me that I love. Like, yeah. I re have respect for the people who have come before me, and I'm inspired by them. Of but course. I don't, like, look up to them and derive that ki same kind of inspiration as them as I do my friends. Right. Like I'm, I'm thinking about like um, something that I can now consider a blight on my career, but at the time was like, whoa, yeah, is that I was on an episode of Louis C.K.'s Horace and Pete. Extremely hot. Yeah. It's <laughs> the hottest thing I've I ever mean, heard. I mean, it sucks. <laughs> um, I mean, Steve Buscemi was in the episode, so I can die happy. But um, it was me and Julio, actually. We got cast to be hipsters at a bar. And, it, and like the whole... 
It's like a classic, like, you know, Louis thing of just like, oh, I'm old and like these people are young, but that's also bad. But I'm bad, but I'm old and like, I don't get it. And we're different. Right. And remember that when things were like the way they were when I was doing things and you're a sexual assaulter. Like, it's like nothing. It's so the veil is so fucking thin. And like did that actually became aware on set of his transgressions and was like, oh, oh, it's too late to back out. Like somebody, another comedian who was there um, was basically like, I think he's into like some perverted shit. Like I've heard that he like masturbates in front of people. And it's like, I was like, what? And then they're like, hey, can you guys come in? We're doing your, t-. I was like, oh, yeah. all right. Like, is that true? Like what is happening? And then of course it became like, really came to light and it is true. And yeah, fuck him. Like I, I never have had this like reverence for anybody that can like trump something like that. Yeah. Um, my least favorite word. And like it's just <laughs> there's no like idol worship in that sense for me, especially because there's so many just like men who are shitty, who are comedians who are like heralded as being amazing, and it's like that that bores me in a violent way. It's like violently it's boring. So lame and tired and yeah stagnant and and i don't want i don't care to be noticed by those people like i i think it's cool that i got to be on that show in an abstract sense like literally i i have like i have a picture with steve buscemi i love him i love him and then it's like everything else around that i'm like oh that world like i don't actually fit in that world and i don't desire to i don't desire to modify myself to be noticed by those people right like and it just i think it's just a it really is something to keep in mind, I think. And I had never understood that. And when I first moved to L.A., I was – and still, like, even I, – I, I read some of my interviews I've done and I'm like, I was doing this, like, fanboy baby voice. And really I should have been thinking, like, I'm engaging with this person. We're equals. Yeah. And, and who are yeah. you as a person, not who are you as an entity is Exactly. More they don't want you to think of them that way. Yeah. That's, like, also – I don't know. Like, that's why I think about – when I think about Julio is, like – so much of the things that he talks about when he's interviewed are like so intrinsic to who he is that yeah. even if they follow along the career path and like just think think about this like um vulture thing that came out on him that you can see like who he has reflected in his own story and how he's developed like through that but it's never like you're a fucking legend man and like all this shit being like mm. what like how did you come up with this because it's like it just is him and it is of him and it's natural so right. he's like He's like a very rare gem that we have on this earth, but it's not this like idol worship thing where it's like you're the man and you fucking like pioneered this shit and you're like one of the realists. It's like you're you're doing your own thing and we love you for it and we're grateful that you're here right. and we can enjoy your work and you as a person and not have it be this like you're in the Hall of Fame, like right up there with Carlin and blah. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to be like that Hall of Fame is, is fine and great, but that's not where I'm interested in being. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I'm... We're talking about Julio Torres, who um, is one of the co-creators of the new HBO show yeah. Los Spookies, which Spike is on. And yeah, I'm. I'm. That's kind of where I wanted to go with this. Is I'd love to know about the journey to Los Spookies, 
because it's uh, I know everyone in this community is very excited about it because it's one of those moments. A lot of times um, when your friend has something big happen, you're really excited, but often it's not good or often it's their thing, but then the network fucks it up and then it gets canceled and you don't even know what to think. This is kind of a moment. I know that when the trailer dropped, everyone was like, Oh, not only are we excited for these people we know, but this looks fucking yeah, good. Yeah, it's gonna actually be like eating it the fuck up. Like, yeah. So I, I'm curious about your your journey. Um, well, we've always like we've always worked together, and they're like from since college we would work together, and like he would before he did stand up, we did little mini plays, and one of them was I was like that was called the Gargoyle, and it was about a woman who I played who and Julio wrote this whole thing like. I played a woman who had a view of the Chrysler building from her apartment in New York and there was construction on a new high-rise condo thing that was obscuring her view and she was slowly going insane. And by the end of it, she, like, becomes the gargoyle. And, like, so from a, from day one, like, the our relationship was, like, he saw me as this, like, in this world but not of this world, like, right. kind of weird timeless like creature thing which i very much am and i saw him as a person with a unique vision who was also like my best friend and someone that i could trust and who accepted me for the creature that i was and who was like really funny in a way that nobody else was yeah so we worked together and then he he like went in we would make videos and stuff and he went into stand-up like very hardcore like did mics every night did the whole thing and i kind of like was more like reclusive like in my shell but still performed too like he really i knew that i came to new york for comedy but i kind of like lost my way a bit but he really kept me like on track with how he did it yeah and then through that and observing that i was able to like buckle down more and get to where i am but i tr- i really think like him putting me in this show was like he he basically i play and this is going to come out in july Yes. Okay, so I I play a demon that exists inside him, which is like very much what our friendship is. And like I'm a benevolent this is demon. Incredible though. Yeah, it's like it's like basically the allegory of our friendship is like I'm this benevolent demon, but I'm also a little crazy and I exist inside him and am summoned from the water. So I, I I'm just it's not just that, but it's that you got to do that with an HBO budget. I, I know it was insane. I mean, they flew me to Chile. Like, <sighs> I was like, I'm. <laughs> it was the coolest thing like I'd ever done, pretty much. Wow. And and just thinking about like the role and everything, like it's a nonverbal creature who has subtitles but makes like <laughs> like insane yeah. noises, and then is underwater, and it's very like aligned with what, how I feel and the characters that I play because I play I do I do everything like I do improv whenever I'm asked <laughs> but I don't actively seek it out I do stand up which is just me talking with no makeup on into the microphone and I say no makeup because I also do drag monologue and character performance like comedic right. character performance art is what I call it and there's like there's different characters but they uh, there is a lot of face paint in my line of work yeah and I really like consider myself and want to be this kind of like queer not lawn cheney person like i want to be wow. the, the they of a thousand faces and just be able to like transcend <laughs> yeah. sorry keep going 
I, I really want to transcend the body because it is a prison. And I feel like I can do that when it's like I have control. Like, oh, you want me to be a cis woman because that's what you're reading me as? Okay, well, I'm going to be half eel. I'm going to be over 150 years old. And, like, I have a cloaca. Is that what you wanted? Like, I'm sorry. I don't know how to be a cis woman any other way. And, like, that's how I've, like, arrived at these characters. Like, some of the other ones is, like, I played Lammy, who was Lena Dunham's dog that she gave away. (laughs) I've been... uh, genderless clown called domino who was um clowning in new york when it was legal before giuliani came and (laughs) fucked everything up we've Uh, also talked about of course you know you've kind of interpreted jewishness you you go straight to mud slime golem monster of course which is candy dish which is um the the line that i describe as is an anthro amphibian human woman So she's she's half eel. <laughs> sorry, I just whacked the mic because okay. I'm laughing so hard. Sorry. I hope you leave it in. Yeah. Um, she's a half human <laughs> on her mom's side and half eel on her dad's side. And her mom is her Jewish. Her mom is Jewish. <laughs> Let's clarify. Yeah, her mom is – so she has matrilineal or whatever that's called, Judaism. And um, which – although patrilineal Judaism is valid, in this case, it's the old – I can't you believe know, people would say like, no, it's got to come out through there. It can't come out through the teeny it's, hole. It's got to come out through the big and hole. And it's not even that. It's when people apologize to me. People say, well, I'm half Jewish, but it's on my dad's side. So I guess it's it doesn't like, count. Really? I'm like, like do whatever, whatever you, you want. want. It's, yeah. it's okay. We We're ne- old Also, we now. need the numbers so you can, <laughs> you can join. But yeah, it's like Candy um, is a comedian, but she – is like reflective of something that I feel where she exists in the present, but she is of of the past. Mm -hmm. So she like worked in an allegory for the Borscht Belt, which is the Bog Belt, which is a place (laughs) upstate where she was just like doing stand up with a bunch of mud skippers and like other amphibians. And her story is that she rose to fame through um, a pilot called the Estuary Bunch, which (laughs) was based on the Brady Bunch, basically. It's like an allegory for that. But um, due to, like, a horrible accident involving, like, her poisonous skin secretions, they had to cancel the pilot. And she was blacklisted um, because the U.S. Department of Agriculture found out about her. And the thing that I always say is, like, and I was blacklisted, um, not because of the whole pilot thing, because I'm Jewish. And it just, like, brings it back to, like, the othering that I've felt throughout life for being Jewish. But it's, like, you know, she's fully green, head to toe half eel but what it all comes back to is those things don't matter and what she's being shut out for in the past is for being jewish and that's something that like i try to bring humanity to these characters because i it is what i experienced in daily life which is like i feel like a creature monster like strange being put onto this world having to navigate it and the way that i do and the defense mechanisms and like tricks that i've come along the way for survival I reflect in my characters. And we've talked a lot about kind of your horror with certain, you know, with Joan Rivers types who are Jewish women who have fucked up their faces to kind of accede to Gentile standards. And what struck me when I saw the Los Spookies trailer was um, those massive cheekbones they put in. I was like, this is a fantasy. It rocked. That was my first time ever wearing fake nails, and they were all, like, over three inches long. Whoa. And it was, like, that whole thing. That, yeah, that was my first time wearing a wig. They wow. Well, it wasn't a wig. It was a, a strip of blue hair extensions that they put, like, on underneath my ears going all the way around my head. So it's, like, my hair with, like, a added volume. Um, But that was, like, I mean, Joan Rivers is, like, she's beautiful now. 
Yeah, of course. You know, then like she's, I mean, rest in peace. But like when I think about her, there is a beauty in that sculpt, overly sculpted face. Of course. But it does, it always is steeped in this pain of like you were trying to escape being read as Semitic. Right. And that, that to me is so painful. So like there is beauty, but it is also pain. And you're, what I so admire about you is you're the opposite, which is like, let's fucking nosedive into yeah, this. Nosedive emphasis. <laughs> I mean, I can't, it's the first thing you see when I walk in the room because it goes in before me and then the rest of my body follows it. Um, someone once told me I had a sexy nose and I ruined the moment. It was someone I... Did you sneeze? I said... It's not too Semitic for you. And they said, I don't know what that means. I love it. I mean, at least they weren't like, (laughs) oh, my God, congrats, Mazel. Uh, (laughs) At least they weren't like, and yeah, I like that little Jew boy. Like, that's like my nightmare. (laughs) Like, I'm so, I mean, luckily that hasn't happened to me. I've actually been broken up with for being Jewish. That was my first ever breakup was like when I was 14, this like kid that I was making out with consistently, which I guess meant they were, we were together he broke up with me. This is one of my bits that I do. It's real, but I made it into a bit because it's so painful. I had to share it with the world. He broke up to me at his own birthday party, which was this pool party at his house. He didn't tell me it was a pool party. I was in a back brace at the time, so I showed up in the back brace because I wore it every day for 23 hours. Then everybody's in the pool. I can't go in. I have metal. I, will, oh, I can't no. get the metal with plastic wet. So he broke up with me while I was wearing one of his mom's one-piece swimsuits on his bed during his birthday party he like took me into the room before cake sat me down and he was like i want to tell you something he put a cd in the cd player and it was playing beethoven's moonlight sonata and he proceeded to break up with me to the song and the reasoning was there was a girl he promised he would marry in fifth grade and she moved to ohio and she's moving back and she is Christian and I'm not. So he was going to go try and pursue, like he's 17, I'm 14. I'm in a back brace in I'm his mom's party. bathing suit. Like, wait, like, like, oh, are we going to kiss in your room? Or like, do, it was just, there was like the thing where I was like, okay, like, this is a pattern I'm seeing already. Yeah. At, at, even at a young age, I was like, okay, this like pattern of rejection and of othering is like following me around and it being able to find solace within like a community didn't really happen for me in a big way until I came to New York and like found Julio. Can I ask, you know, something I so admire about you and I've learned from you. I just feel like especially and allegedly our article about this is going to come out any minute now about Jewish comedians. Um, if the if the media is if we did control the media, it would be out. Right. But that's this is why the stereotype is not true. Thank you. If we <laughs> control the media, also, you and I would I be rich. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, do you really think that shit is true? I fucking hate that. Anyway, the, the question. I'm I want to ask how, you know, a lot of liberal Jews, a lot of Jews who are in the arts are very apologetic about their Jewishness, are very um, just haven't really dealt. And you, after everything you've been through, you are very like, fuck yeah, I am Jewish. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, in an abridged version, how you got there. Um, I mean, I was just really sick of the images of Judaism that are being yeah. Shove down people's throats, which is like you're either a fucking nebbishy, bald man with glasses who's like falling all over himself, but then like fucking an amazingly hot Gentile woman. That's my Which goal. is like yeah. Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. 
fucking Woody Allen. Like all, it's just a, a man be like, like, oh, you like right. me? Like, what? I don't even know if I can make you come. Like, what? What am I supposed to do? It's like, oh, you like me too? It's like I don't yeah. fucking want to do that. Or it's like you're a fucking harpy woman nagging horrible like yelling at a man to do this and do that and not satisfied want to spend your money like all that it's like those are the two spheres and yeah. like ha haven't watched miss Maisel. i'm sure it's don't it, sure it exists um i haven't <laughs> haven't delved don't care yeah um but i don't see positive representations really of jewish women or men in media i just see these very narrow things yeah i also don't have a tv so if you have these wrecks you can fucking dm me them and i'll absorb them and i'll be like oh nachis something good once but <laughs> from what i've seen it's not there so when i'm walking around the world i'm like well i'm not a nagging harpy unless you ask my partner and like i'm not a nebishi jewish man unless you ask my partner <laughs> and i where do i fit into these things like i don't and then thinking about judaism and going back to something that I was able to latch on to, which actually was mentioned in the Channing uh, Nicholas. Oh my God. Yes. Channing Nicholas episode. Thank yeah, you. Sorry. I've, I've only have heard about her from people saying Channing and I didn't understand that it was a person. Right. And now after listening to the episode, I was like, Whoa, very much a person. Very cool. Yeah. The thing she was saying about God being gendered, he as being a new thing. It's like, that was the first shit that I latched onto a long time ago was like, the trans non-binary aspect of God. Totally. And I was in Kabbalistic readings, it's like God is fully a they. Yeah. Like God has a feminine and a masculine like spirit. And it's just like, that was the stuff where I was like, okay, that I'm reflected in that. But also like I'm reflected in like the golem and like the mud monster <laughs> control, like weird robot, like control ancient robot puppetry thing. Like that's me. Yeah. Um, I'm reflected in like the old stereotypes of Jews as having horns. Like there I am. <laughs> I'm reflected in like when you go in a church, your skin bursts into flames of untouching holy water. Like that is, that is I. And that's hot. <laughs> but that's what I feel like. I'm yeah. like, that is closer to me than like any of these new things that we have. And that's where I like to draw from inspiration from like, Oh, you, I, you think I drink baby blood? It's like, yeah, I do. Do you want some like that? That to me is more fun to be, than to be like, I love money and I control this. And like, yeah, yeah, I'm loud. Like, I just don't. I know. You know, I think, cause I always, anytime I date Gentiles, I, <laughs> it's the first thing I point out and they never understand it. Like the last Gentile I went on a date with, I sent him a picture of Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. And I was like, this is us. And it, it went, <laughs> it just went nowhere. They don't get it, but I'm they're like, like, which one is me? And I know. Like, okay, I'm just like, babe, babe. Yeah. But I, I used to be really in that apologetic space. And now I'm kind of in this place of like, Oh wait, I'm actually the inheritor of like queer legacy and Jewish legacy, yeah. which means that I'm like, I have more knowledge and more um, survival skills than inherited or passed down to yeah. me at my command than anyone. And like, if that's real power, and I don't want to keep gaslighting myself into thinking that I'm like this nebishy, inbred, it's, yeah, pathetic. Yeah, it, it makes me so sad because it's like it's not true. And you can go down that narrow road and like also celebrate your Judaism through that, but that's not something that I vibe with, right. and it's also not something that is for other religions it reflected in media like there's not right. one christian there's like people characters who is like the goody goody two christian person but no. that's there's not like a one christian guy or one christian woman or even like muslim person like reflected in media that 
is in the same way as Jewishness, where they somehow get by putting these negative traits in and then p- sell it to people as like, no, this is good and you like this. Right. But when you meet Jewish people who are like in our world, in our age, who just who get really defensive. I don't mean to be what judgmental. Kind of I just I'll often meet people who are like, like I said earlier, when they're like. Well, yeah, I'm Jewish, but it's only on on my dad's side. So I, I don't know. Or like, oh, right, right. when I meet people and, and they clearly just haven't dealt with it, or there's still a lot of resentment at like their upbringing, which I we all have that. I think yeah. anyone who, oh, yeah. who had a Jewish upbringing knows how much of it is fucked up, and we're angry about it. Yeah. But like, what do you say to people who are liberal, clearly free thinking, but? who in that regard of their life are like, I don't want to think or talk about this, you know? To me, it's like I can't vibe with that because right. it's like it's like a part of me to connect with other Jews, especially other Jewish performers, like on that like more yeah. spiritual identity-based level than like hiding away from it. Like that's why I work honestly so much and so well with Amy Zimmer. Like yeah. she is a person who doesn't overtly talk about her Judaism like necessarily in her work, but in her life and in her practice, like it is part of who she is and it's something that she doesn't shy away from. And it inspires me to see someone who I think of as like a strong Jewish woman comedian being funny and being herself and never reverting back to stereotypes, but not hiding the identity. Like I see other people do or doing what I see other people do, which is pivoting into like this crazy overcompensation of like, I'm going to get to the stereotype before you. And it's mm. just like, don't even do that. Like, you're not helping anyone. Mm. And it, I've seen horrible stand-up sets <laughs> from Jewish female comedians yeah, that are just too. them, like, leaning into some fucked up stereotypes. And it's just And like, the audience is like, what's going on? Yeah, it's because, like, first of all, <laughs> this is too niche of you to be doing. So it's just other Jews who are either cringing at this or, like, loving it. And, and then I you have understand. Gentiles who are like, oh, this is what a Jew is. Yeah, cool. and it's like, oh, great. Um, Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. So I thought of you this last weekend because I was dancing at Be Cute um, at Littlefield, which is this kind of big drag party. And it was so fun. I felt so fucking alive. Like, I was just on fire when I was up there. I was doing high kicks. I was just kind of surging. But I kept having this thing where when I would go off stage, when it was time to, like, kiki and make conversation with the drag queens, I could feel myself really, like, clamming up and getting shy. And I sometimes think of myself that way, where it's like, when I'm on stage in the right environment, I can be a fire-breathing bull god. But I often feel, like, either reserved or I need, like, my time in silence and I'm not so good at like being on with people. Yeah. And you have always been someone that I've looked up to for that, where it's like, you literally go full demon when you perform. Yeah. And, but you're really good at, I've never gotten a sense that you're like, and when, when I see you out, you never try to be like high energy or on or performative around people or in a social context. Like you're really true to yourself, which is like, I'm chill. I'm kind of soft-spoken. I'm kind of quiet. And I I don't mean to, like, read you inappropriately if that's the case. But I guess I'm just curious how you, like, figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I 
there are times definitely when I'm like going and I'm like on in conversation with my friends. But I also like when I'm in a big social group out, like I'll, I'll be, you know, chipping in whatever, or like either just dominating because like I'm (laughs) as a person on the spectrum. Sometimes when I'm like getting on a subject, I'm like, I'm on there and I'm fucking riding it. But everyone else is like, Oh, this is like not how you socialize. (laughs) And they are going way too hard. But like, there there that line is something that i enjoy like i don't want to be a person who's always on because to me that's like kind of fake and also i don't drink so to me being around people is like i'm the way that i am around you because like that's me right and i do get overwhelmed socially so i like to like kind of have a boundary so that if something is too much for me or like i can't hang or i'm seeing people just get drunk around me i can't do it it's not like I position myself where it's like I'm the funny guy like doing all this shit or like I'm going hard and being extra and like drinking and whatever it's like I'm able to like transition from performance where I'm like giving everything to yes. just like being myself and being able to dip out and not have people be like whoa that's fucked up they like left at this time or did whatever because they're like oh that person is like showing up to perform hang out a little and then bounce because that's like what they need to do to keep themselves sane. And I think it is respected. I hope it is like, I don't, I'm learning a lot from it. I like people stay out late and make connections. And like, I maybe I've done that sometimes, but I don't, I don't know. I always feel like you can make connections with people in daylight soberly and they are the same gravity and like importance and genuineness is the ones that are made late at night um over like cocaine (laughs) that i like imagine certain people are doing if you haven't guessed spike is a virgo Um, (laughs) (laughs) i don't know the rest of the little ones though the one as far as like you're a virgo but you're also like uh, this and that like the rising and star we'll look into it sun what is it uh yes well your sun is a virgo you're rising your moon so my okay yeah. yeah, I don't know. What we'll we'll make some phone calls. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so, I, I guess I'm just curious if there's been when you've been performing lately, if there's been something that you've been wanting to explore more, if there's been something that's been turning you on recently, where you're like, whoa, let's do more of that, or if there's something you're tinkering with, or or just anything you're looking forward to in your work. I mean, weirdly, when I <laughs> I love to do things that I'm not good at when I perform, which is sing and dance. Like I'm not a great dancer. Yes. So I do full on stripping down to my underwear burlesque. It's incredible. As candy too. So I'm, I'm green. Like yes. I'm going down to the green, the mesh in the green. And I have sung in performances before just like not good. Like I'm not really that good. I love it, but I'm not great. And those are things that are fun to do, but I'm trying to also go away from not go away completely, but explore the just me no makeup side okay and i've been allowed a very generous outlet which is um the show pig yeah which is at the slipper room tuesday nights at 10 p.m hosted um officially by sandy honig and peter smith but guest hosted um lately because sandy is in la now um it's great. I actually am there now that I don't have a job. I'm there every Tuesday and it's very yeah, sexy. I've been fortunate enough to perform and host with Peter and it's, it's a place that is casual, but it is in a very legit space with yeah. a red curtain behind you. And you're, you know, it's no tech, which for me forces me to do stand up. Yeah. Because a lot of my bits are like, a lot of my bits are like me telling a sound person, like, 
when you see me on the stage and I turn around, play a song, play the track, and you don't have to do anything else. Right. Because I will time my bit and make a track like to back myself. There's been tracks that I've made that I respond to that talk back to me, and the audience is like seeing a conversation between me and another entity. There's ones that are a song but have dropped out sound points so that I can speak and like I'm very used to like creating my mini mm -hmm. little plays and doing them. But when I met Pig, it's just me and the mic and like I've been able to explore topics that I would only touch on in like my very early stand up and things that I just say in conversation to people that have gotten good reactions that I've then explored and, and turned into real bits. And that's something that I'm like trying to delve more into is like just just doing the stand up be stand up Good. which is is fun and has been cool i just like thought that i had to do these this structure and have everything flow and like you kind of don't like you i can make it flow by like relating it back to who i am which is all that i'm doing up there and that's something that has been really freeing for me and i've been able to talk about like my gender identity my gender expression um, working through trauma that I get from how I'm perceived in the world and the, and the feedback that I get because um, I don't know if this happens to you or to out people out there listening, but I get some form of street harassment. I want to say like every day, sometimes multiple times a day. It's some of it is very low level. Some of it is very damaging and pointed and bad. Um, some of it is starts out kind of shitty but then because i am fed up and respond gets worse right so there's all this navigating that i have to do and like i've boiled some of it down and turned it into bits Good. or been able to like even one of one of the bits is that i've like recite my best cat call retorts of 2017 Amazing. and i like read them off and they're like real things that i've said but it's like I've had so much practice because the world is constantly reading me yeah and it's frustrating because it's like who like who gave you keys to the fucking library like i don't i don't know you and you don't know me but like you're making all these assumptions but i have to carry that because i heard you and i have to walk through the rest of the day and the rest of my life often like thinking of these things right and it's a very special feeling and i don't know how many people have experienced this but to get um assault assaulted verbally by somebody on a bus and then more than a year later see the same person and have them say the same thing to you is wild uh, I have to say when to you were when you were telling the story of the uh, pool party, oh, what yeah. went through my head is I was like, well, this sucks for Spike, but the rest of us are so lucky that they've found a way to to yeah. really have this rapturous revenge. Yeah, I mean, and I, ho I hope that applies with the catcalling too. Yeah, well, when I do the bit that's based off of the being broken up with two Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata at a pool party, I read it out of a composition book this mm. thing and then say that i basically end it by saying and that day i swore that i would never get broken up with again so i called upon the power of the ancient goddess to perform a demonic dance within me and like i do this whole thing where like i strip i have these like eyes that i've done on my chest instead of my my where my um where my nipples are instead right. of that area they are too big blue eyes with like tears of blood coming out of them that I've like through a use of live special effects makeup done I perform this insane dance to a remixed version of The Locomotion by Little Eva but also has Kylie Minogue's Obsessed. Locomotion in it and is also distorted and through the dance I'm like reaching in 
to ostensibly my pussy and drawing out like blood yeah which is i'm gonna i'm gonna break the illusion it's a ziploc bag with raspberries and food coloring that i've <laughs> hidden in the front of my shorts but it looks like i'm taking my menstrual blood and rubbing it on my chest and writhing and like stripping and going insane and there's there's the laura palmer scream from twin peaks mm -hmm. in the track and like basically i'm saying to the audience like if you never want to be broken up with again you have to call up on this ancient power watch this dance like and the part that they're drawn to look at, like the chest of a person who has revealed themselves, is two eyes staring back at you, crying blood, like trying to confront them with this imagery that I'm saying, like, yes, I'm powerful. You must look at me. You can't look away. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not like punishing the person who did this to me. I'm taking strength from this experience and making it more armor so that I can show to the world, like, look how strong I am. Yeah. that I can do this and derive power from my rejection, my constant rejection. That feels like a really strong place to end it. So um, where can we follow you, uh, et cetera? Um, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter with my, my handle is my dead name. I have to change it. Um, so I'm on Twitter at Lena Einbinder. And if you didn't know, if you knew who Lena Einbinder was, that is, that is my old name. My name is now Spike Einbinder. Fuck yes. Um, and I'm on Instagram as underscore s dot p dot i dot k dot e underscores, which is Spike with periods and underscores on either side. And I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to be on HBO. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and and I, even though this will have happened in the past, I'm doing a show with Amy Zimmer at Ars Nova called Together at Last. And I'm really excited about it and excited about working together with her. Yeah, it's really fortuitous. Um, this is, okay, now I think everyone's going to understand why you are my most interviewed person <laughs> because that was fucking amazing. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you.